0: Today we transition from the Holy Spirit according to Jesus to the Holy Spirit according to the Apostle Paul. Like Jesus, the Apostle Paul had a lot to say about the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. Today's main scripture text is in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17, page 616 in the Pew Bible, if you're using the Pew Bible. Let's pray. Gracious Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your beautiful presence in our midst. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus, our Savior. We thank you for the word, your word, the word of God, your infallible truth, your absolute truth for living today, this life out in practical ways to bring you glory. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who enables us who leads and guides us into all truth. And we pray through the power of your spirit you would speak, God, through your servant today. Through the power of your spirit, open our hearts, open our minds to the wonder of your truth. May it set us all free and make us more like Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Galatians chapter five, verses 16 and 17. The apostle Paul, right into the church in Galatia, he writes, I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Today I have four main points on your outline, the conflict, the contrast, the command, the conquest. There is a civil war being fought Over slavery to sin and freedom in Christ within the heart of every born-again believer, follower of Jesus Christ. It is the conflict between good and evil, right and wrong, the flesh and the spirit of God. I like how Galatians chapter 5 verse 17 in the ESV translation of the Bible reads... For desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. This war is fierce. This war is unrelenting. The flesh and the spirit are locked in active conflict with one another and neither will surrender. Paul describes this war within in his own life in Romans chapter seven. In verse 15, he writes, for what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. As Christ followers, we can all identify. Well, Pat Medeiros can identify with the Apostle Paul's words. He writes in Romans chapter 7, verses 22 through 24, For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members, O oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Who will deliver me? Have you ever cried out, oh God, O oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? Paul goes on and, and answers his own question in verse 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is the answer. He goes on, so then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. In Romans chapter eight, verse one, the apostle Paul declares, therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, But according to the Spirit. This war began at the moment of salvation when the Holy Spirit took up residence within you, within me. An immediate conflict arose because there was already a prior tenant dwelling within on the throne of our hearts. It is the flesh that part of you and me that is always in opposition to the things of God. The flesh is this inward disposition of rebellion to resist God. For the child of God, that is the part of us that we, we must be watchful. We must always be alert 24-7, and the Holy Spirit helps us, enables us to be watchful, to be alert 24-7, wide awake, on guard, against, and not give ground to the flesh. I'm so grateful for the Holy Spirit. He's our helper. Our text says the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. The word lust does not refer to sexual sin, but is a term used to communicate a strong, strong desire. The strong desire of the flesh and the spirit are opposites. Like two giant, when I, when I, when I was studying and preparing this message, I couldn't help but, but liken this, this battle. The strong desires of the flesh and the spirit are opposites like two giant sumo wrestlers trying to push each other out of the ring. Probably not the prettiest of pictures. The flesh strongly desires to enslave you to sin while the spirit strongly desires to free you and me to serve the Lord and serve others. Love God and love people. Scriptures warn of three enemies of every Christian. If you're taking notes, write down these three enemies. Number one, the world. The world. The Bible has a lot to say about this enemy. Number two, the flesh. The enemy of the flesh. And we're focusing on this enemy today. And number three the devil, the devil, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world has been called the external enemy. The flesh has been called the the internal enemy. The devil has been called the infernal enemy. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to draw as many as he can into the The abyss, the hell, a word we don't use much today, the fires of hell. The devil has been called the infernal enemy. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. The Bible says he's roaming around this world, this community, your neighborhood, looking for someone to devour. He's after you. But there's one who is greater, who's after you, who's already come. And he has secured your place in his family, in his kingdom, on the cross. He's greater, church, he's greater than this lion that's roaming, this roaring lion the Bible describes as the devil. Roaming this earth, he's already been defeated by the lion of Judah. Can we praise him, church? He's worthy to be praised. We have a greater lion, the lion of Judah. Every Christ follower has two outward enemies everyone who's following Christ, the world and the devil, and one inward enemy, the flesh. This internal enemy is relentless. I love Charles Spurgeon. And Charles Spurgeon told of a a young preacher who was very arrogant, yet very gifted behind the pulpit. One Sunday, this young man was preaching on the armor of God. He spoke of the belt of truth from Ephesians chapter 6, the breastplate of righteousness and feet shod with the gospel of peace and the shield of faith, helmet of salvation, and sword of the spirit toward the conclusion of his sermon, he, he boldly, boldly announces, I am wearing the whole armor of God. Where is the enemy? Bring him on. Bring him on. Where is the enemy? Bring him on. I got the whole armor of God. On. Bring on the enemy. Spurgeon Stands and walks over to this young preacher and whispers. He is inside the armor. (laughs) He is inside the armor. Church, there is a civil war being fought within the heart of every single Christ follower. You have an enemy within. In fact, the flesh is mentioned five times in the context of today's text. Even though the flesh has been dethroned, it still forces its will on you and me. For we're honest with ourselves, in fact, so much so that you do not do the things that you wish. According to Galatians five sixteen, you don't do the things you want to do that you know please the Lord. Thank God. Thank God we're not without help and hope in this conflict the holy spirit is stronger he is mentioned 7 times in the context of our main text remember what jesus said in john 14:16 we have focused on what he has said several times there in this particular passage in the gospel of john he said i will pray the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you Forever, Isn't that comforting? The Holy Spirit is our helper and our hope in the midst of this conflict. Let's move on to the contrast. The Apostle Paul says in Galatians 5.19, Now the works of the flesh are evident. They're visible. They're visible. They're seen with the physical eye. They're seen by others. Although the war within is invisible between the flesh and the spirit, who is in control of your life will be outward and will be obvious. Paul communicates a dramatic contrast between the works of the flesh and the work of the Spirit. In verses 19 through 21, he describes the works of the flesh. I'm not going to take the time today to read through this, but I encourage you to to read through verses 19 through 21 this week. They can be divided up into three major categories. Number one, sensual sins. We see this in reading verses 19 and 21b, the second part of of verse 21. All these sins listed by Paul were rampant in the Roman Empire and still are today all over the world. The second category is superstitious sins. We, We see these sins listed in verse 20a. Paul gives examples of idolatry and witchcraft, both very prevalent today in our culture, right? In our own community. And the third category is social sins. This list is is seen in verses 20b and 21a. These sins cause strife, jealousy, division within relationships, even in the body of Christ. In verse 21b, the Apostle Paul, writing to the believers, he, he, he writes, I tell you beforehand, just as I also tell you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Whoa. That stops you in your tracks. The key word here is practice. It refers to a habitual lifestyle that marks who you really are. It identifies you as someone who is not truly following the Lord Jesus Christ. People who live a lifestyle defined by the works of the flesh are not controlled by the Spirit of God. In fact, the apostle described, the people I should say, described here by the apostle Paul most likely don't have the Spirit residing within. Chances are they haven't had a born-again experience. Paul provides a vivid picture of what it looks like when the flesh is in control. Dark, dirty, destructive, and destined to spend eternity apart from the kingdom of God. Not a real attractive Future, nothing life-giving comes from the works of the flesh. Young people, hear the word of the Lord. Nothing life-giving comes from the works of the flesh. Works, plural, of the flesh. Now the Apostle Paul contrasts the works of the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I'll stop there. Right away, we notice that these are not works, but rather fruits. Very, very important detail in this letter. The works of the flesh are naturally practiced by us, but the fruit of the Spirit is supernaturally produced in us, By the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is the Holy Spirit's work. He alone is the source. We are the channel in which the character of Christ flows outward to others. Touching others. Serving others. Blessing others. Building up others. Edifying others. Strengthening others. The word fruit is singular in contrast to the plural works of the flesh to point out the unity of its purpose. The Holy Spirit has built, has bought one goal Christ likeness. Christ likeness. That's the one goal of the Holy Spirit. Christ likeness. He transforms us from within to conform us outwardly to be like Jesus, to look like Jesus in the world, to look like Jesus to our spouses, to look like Jesus to our children, to look like Jesus to our neighbors and and co-workers, to look like Jesus when we're cashing out To look like Jesus. He transforms us within to conform us outwardly to look like Jesus. Incredible. This can't happen apart from the work of the Holy Spirit of God. When the Holy Spirit is in control of our lives, it looks like love. Self-sacrifice for others. Joy. Contentment in Christ alone. Peace. Tranquility of soul. There's a calmness when the Holy Spirit is in control of our lives. Even in the midst of chaos, there's calmness. Long-suffering. Patient. Grace-giving. Merciful. Gentleness. Kindness expressed. Caring, caring for others, even our enemies. Goodness, integrity in every aspect of our lives, from our relationships, in our marriages, our work ethic, filing our taxes, faithfulness to God, faithfulness in our marriages, our work. Meekness, humility, teachable, serving others, self-control, discipline, restraint, slow to speak. Paul, in a masterful way, helps us to see clearly the contrast between the flesh and the spirit. The flesh produces sin, but never the righteousness of God. And the spirit produces the righteousness of God, but never sin. What a contrast. The Holy Spirit produces in us law-fulfilling fruit, something that we could never do, something that our works could never do. We could never, ever keep the law of God perfectly. We could never produce fruit from the work, from our labor, the fruit of righteousness that the law requires. The Holy Spirit produces in us law-fulfilling fruit, something the flesh is incapable of producing. Ask yourself today, who is in control of your life? The flesh or the spirit? The destructive work of the flesh that that ruin your relationship with God and others or the life-giving fruit of the Spirit that nourishes and strengthens your relationship with God and with others. Who is in control of your life? Next, the command. To win the war within, God has given us a scriptural command that must be faithfully carried out. It's found in verse 16. Paul writes, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you remember nothing else today, please remember this. The Christian life is not a work. The Christian life is not a work. It is a walk. The word walk is a present active imperative in the Greek, meaning we are commanded to keep walking. The term walk is one of Paul's favorite ways to describe the Christian life. Time doesn't permit to walk you through all these scriptures. Walking implies spiritual progress, step by step, moving forward to the prize, to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In fact, in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, the apostle Paul writes to the church in Philippi, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, you might... Be thinking, what does it mean, and how do you walk in the Spirit? The best way to answer is by comparing today's main text with other Scripture. When things are unclear in one Bible passage, compare Scripture with Scripture. That's always the best approach. The best commentary on the Bible is not your favorite commentary writer. The best commentary on the Bible, yes, Nancy, is the Bible. Let's take a moment and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. The Apostle Paul gives a command to the Ephesian believers, to the church there in Ephesus. It was a growing church, it was a large church. He gives this command, and do not be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, which means reckless indiscretion, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. He goes on and gives them several outward evidences of being filled with the Holy Spirit, singing in verse 19. Do you see that there in verse 19? Singing. Those filled with the Holy Spirit gather for worship and build each other up in song. Thanksgiving, verse 20. Those filled with the Spirit are very grateful and thankful people. Submitting. We see that in reading chapter 5, starting at verse 21, all the way through to... Chapter 6, verse 9. Those filled with the Spirit humbly submit, love, respect, and serve one another. Wives respect their husbands. Husbands love their wives. This is outward evidence of a life controlled by the Holy Spirit, a life walking in the Spirit. Wives respect their husbands. Husbands love their wives. These are outward evidences of an individual who follows Christ walking and living in the spirit, controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. Children honoring and obeying parents Children who honor and obey their parents are walking in the spirit. Their lives are spirit filled. Fathers who don't provoke their kids, employees who give their best, employers who care for their employees. Paul uses the word servant and master. I'm bringing it to us. You will find the exact same results in Colossians. Write this if you would Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 16. All the way through chapter 4 of Colossians verse 1. I encourage you to read it sometime this week. In Colossians chapter 3 verse 16, the apostle Paul gives a command. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom. Now, remember, we're, we're, we're answering this question, what does it mean to, to live in the Spirit? What does it mean to, to walk in the Spirit? Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom. And he gives the exact list that he gave in Ephesians, starting at verse 21 of chapter 5 through chapter 6, verse 9 there in Ephesians. Paul gives the exact same list here in, in Colossians 3. Where Galatians 5.16 says walk in the spirit, the verb walk in Greek is a present active imperative. And this is, this is critically important. Where Ephesians 5.18 says be filled with the spirit, the verb be filled in Greek is a present passive imperative. Where Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, the verb dwell is a present active imperative. What does all of that mean? When we put these passages together, we realize that walking in the spirit, being filled with the spirit, and allowing the word of Christ to dwell in us richly are synonymous. They're the same, one of the same. We further understand that from these verbs, there is an active as well as a passive part to walking in the Spirit. And this is so critically important. We must actively fill our minds with God's Word. We must actively walk in the truth of God's Word. And we must passively or without resistance, that Word, without resistance, allow the Holy Spirit to control, guide, and direct us by God's Word. And God gives us the ability to do it. He gives to us, he sends to us from heaven our helper, the Holy Spirit, who will be with us forever. Our paracletos, the one who walks alongside of us 24-7. We might slumber, but he never does. We might get tired, but he never does. We might get weak, but he's always strong. the Holy Spirit will never lead us to do something that contradicts the word of God, never. It just baffles me when I sit down with with a Christ follower and they're sharing with me the decision they've made and, and, and then they end by saying, God told me. And what they're expressing is in total, complete contradiction to God's truth. Surely not the Spirit of God speaking. I won't even go as far as saying it's the devil speaking, because he's not omnipresent, by the way. We give him way too much credit. Mm -mm. How about the flesh? How about the flesh? Can you identify? The Holy Spirit will never lead us to do something that contradicts the Word of God. In other words, being Spirit filled and Word filled are one in the same. I shared last week that the Holy Spirit works with the Word of God and through the Word of God, but not without the Word of God. Here's a big truth. Walking in the spirit is submitting to and allowing the Holy Spirit in us to use the word of God to make us more like the son of God within. So Jesus will be obvious to others on the outside. The flesh is what resists and opposes the Holy Spirit's work at every turn. One of the main reasons I believe Jesus told his disciples in the gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verse 23, If anyone would come after me, serve me, let him deny himself, resist your flesh, resist the enemy within, and take up his cross daily. It's a day-to-day walk, and follow me step by step. Step By step, inch by inch, an inch is a cinch, a yard is hard. (laughs) I'm a poet and I didn't even know it. (laughs) The beauty of all of this is we have one who walks alongside of us, our helper, our comforter, our paracletos, the Holy Spirit walks with us. Isn't that glorious church? We're never alone, though we feel alone. Feelings are some of the greatest liars in life. We're never, as a child of God, you're never alone. Never. Wow. I hope your faith is being encouraged. We have seen the reality of the conflict within. We have contrasted the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. We have understood the command to walk in the Spirit. Finally, let's rejoice together in the conquest that's right, the conquest. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can rejoice in a sure and sweet victory over the flesh. We have help and hope. Paul writes in verse 16, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the Oh, you might fulfill the lust of the flesh. Oh, oh you, have a, you have a 90% chance. Oh, there's a 10% chance in your favor that you won't fulfill. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That is a promise of victory for every believer, not a promise of defeat. When we are walking in the Spirit, surrendered and submitted to the control of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in his word, we are assured that we will not be defeated by the strong sinful desires of the flesh, the enemy within In fact, this is so important. Paul uses a double negative in the Greek to announce this amazing promise. He is saying when you truly walk in the spirit, it is impossible. There is absolutely no chance of fulfilling the lust of the flesh. It can't happen. What a wonderful promise. Church, the way to to spiritual victory is not through willpower, but through the spirit's power. It's not an an abrupt stop when you decide to stop living in the flesh, but an about face turning 180 degrees by the grace and spirit of God's help and choosing to live or walk in the spirit. When you walk in the spirit, the spirit's fruit will hang from your branches. What's hanging from your branches? Is there anything hanging from your branches? Your life will will nourish and bless others by the spiritual fruit produced in your life by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 15, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. so you will be my disciples. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Doesn't that humble you today? God, why would you choose me? God, I mean, God, you know everything about, why would you choose me? God, you know everything about me. Why would you because the bible says he loves me with an everlasting love and he chooses you because he loves you not because you've kept not because you, you, the works you've done have kept the law of god perfectly the christian life is not not about works it's about a walk with a redeemer a savior a paracletos a helper a comforter it's grace grace such grace Oh, overwhelmed by his grace. The Holy Spirit works with the word of God and through the word of God, but not without the word of God. He uses the word of God that is in us and produces Christ's likeness, the fruit of the spirit in our lives. Church, this is so practical. Daily Bible reading produces Christ's likeness. It's a big part of walking in the spirit. It just is. I know the difference in my own life. When I'm not, the ugly flesh reveals itself, manifests itself in my interactions with others. But man, when I am, oh, what oozes out is the sweet aroma and fragrance of Jesus. It's so soothing and comforting, and it ministers and invites people to come into your life. And they see Jesus. They see Jesus. They see Jesus and not the flesh. And the Holy Spirit begins to do what he came to do, to glorify the Son. And when he's glorified and lifted up, people are drawn to the redeeming love of our beautiful, wonderful Savior Isn't that glorious, church? In closing, the more that you are in the word, the more the word that will be in you. And the more the Holy Spirit will have to use in your life to produce the fruit of the Spirit. God dropped that. The Holy Spirit dropped that in my heart this morning. I want to share that again. The more that you are in the word the more of the word that will be in you and the more the Holy Spirit will have to use in your life to produce the fruit of the Spirit and bless other people for the glory of God. Isn't that awesome? Woo! I love God's word. I love God. I'm so overwhelmed by his grace. What a gracious God. He loves you. I don't know where you are in your faith journey, your religious background. But I want you to know that God loves you, that he's a personal God. He's an approachable God. No one in this room has ever come to God. God has always come to man. Always. Always. From cover to cover of the Bible. No one's ever come to God. God has always come to man. And he's come to you over 2,000 years ago. And he loves you. He wants to be your God. He wants to be your Savior. He wants to be your Lord. He wants to be your everything. He wants to be your paracletos, the one 24-7 in this world that walks alongside of you 24-7 who never tires, who never slumbers, who's never weak, void of wisdom. He's come to you. By faith, take his hand. Take his hand. By faith, take his hand. Take his hand. By faith, take his hand. And start this wonderful journey with God. Step by step, inch by inch. All the way. All the way. All the way to the prize. To the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, our eternal resting place. Heaven in the presence of our Creator. Hallelujah! Oh stand church. Let's praise His name. He's worthy to be praised, worthy to be praised, worthy to be praised. I close with this question: Who has the control within? Whoever has control within will be obvious on the outside. What do others see? Do they see the works of the flesh? Or do they see and experience the fruit of the Spirit, the redeeming love of God? As the worship team leads us in Cornerstone, If you want to today by faith take the hand of God for the very first time, I invite you to come forward. You can do it right where you're standing but I would love to meet you. The pastors would love to meet you. We'd like to talk with you. We'd like to pray with you. We'd like to bless you with the Bible. Maybe you're here today and you've had enough of the flesh controlling your life and today you want to make a public declaration. Not just a quiet declaration but a public declaration. No more flesh. No more. It's over. You are not controlling this area of my life any longer. I am surrendering it. I am turning it over to the spirit of the living God. I invite you to come as well.